0: Friends, uh, for all of us, whether you're gathered in person, in line, online, after the fact, near or far, welcome. Uh, on behalf of all of us, my name is Matthew, I'm the senior pastor at Pleasant Street Christian Reform Church, and we are glad that you could be with us today. When we gather as a church these days, it's happening differently than we're used to. The church is always a community gathering and being sent, right? but right now the gathering looks a little bit different. We are gathered more than what we can see. Many of us are joining us online as well. If you are at home and watching, uh, just so you know, uh, you might be the only ones in your room, but you are among families, um, brothers and sisters today. And we are, of course, gathered also with brothers and sisters all over the world today. And so we are in good company. As we get started today, here at the beginning of a very, very cold but sunny new year, a couple announcements I wanna highlight for you. Uh, We're doing some unintentional renovations on the kitchen. Did you notice? Uh, Just seemed like the right time. I don't know, Um, but uh, of course the kitchen will be out of commission for a little while. We had a pipe burst this week. Uh, Cleanup crews were quick to the scene and our uh, facilities and administrative staff uh, were, were right there to help us. Um, but we won't be serving coffee and cookies for a little while. We'll update you when we find out more about what those renovations will look like and how long it will take. But for now, um, do, uh, do notice it on, on your way in. Um, <clears throat> also, uh, we want to remember that our high school and middle school students, many of them, are away uh, on this chilly weekend uh, at the Berea retreat. And so we're going to be praying for them. We remember them this weekend and hope that they're well and warm. And finally, uh, I want to welcome some visitors, some guests with us today. Uh, Mr. Baird Lashley will be leading us from the guitar. Welcome back, Baird. And also uh, Reverend Bruce Dykstra. Where'd he go? He's, there he is in the back. Uh, will be uh, bringing us the word today. Um, Bruce is a longtime ministry partner, uh, founding pastor of the, the river, and a good friend. So welcome back, Bruce. Glad to have you with us today. Friends, as we get started, would you rise in body or in spirit? Let's say these words, this call to worship. Friends, the Lord be with you. also with you. This is the day the Lord has made.
1: Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
0: We come together to worship the God of creation and salvation, the God of all people, of all nations.
1: Praise the Lord,
0: The Lord is full of mercy and compassion. The Lord is slow to anger and willing to give us gifts of love. Praise your your faithfulness, God of love and hope.
2: All All that is
0: is within me, praise praise God's holy name. Friends, let's praise God together.
3: too high and trembles out his voice and trembles out at- it sings, my soul, my Savior, God.
1: Nobody's going to call us the frozen chosen. Amen. All right. So may I lead you all in this prayer of confession as we seek to renew our hearts together with Jesus Christ. Gracious God, you are holy. You are worthy of all praise. We try to listen and follow you. We try to love you, but fall short over and over again. Our sinfulness causes us to stray from you, yet we continue to offer grace and forgiveness. We thank you for providing redemption through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And now in the quietness of your hearts. reflect. Hear the good news, friends. God loved us so much that he gave his only son so that everyone that believes in him may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn us, but to show us the path into discipleship. To to all who turn from sin and sorrow, to all who turn to God in hope, this is God's word of grace. We are accepted, we are forgiven, we are loved, and this gift we have from God. Thanks be to God. Before you sit down, I just want to encourage you to do this. Peace of Christ be with you, and also with you.
0: Well, after a week of postponement, today's the day. You'll notice from your bulletin that we will, in fact, get to install some new elders and a new deacon today. Uh, And the way that plans are going right now, that is no small thing. So we give thanks to God for that, right? Amen. Uh, When we gather for worship, as we do every Sunday, the first thing that we do is we we have a call to worship, right? And we hear words from Scripture, and they're spoken over us, and we speak responses, and that is uh, important and on purpose, because what we remember is that uh, no matter how you come to church, whether you're tuning in online, whether you're walking through the door and you have no idea how you got here or whether you come every week, somehow it is always God who has the first word. God is the one who calls to us and we respond. Sometimes we know that voice well, sometimes we don't even, we don't even know that we know it, right? But in either case, when we come to church, the first thing that happens is that God calls to us. And then when we, uh, when we gather for worship, we remember our need of God, remember our propensity to turn away from him, to sin, to disobey, to miss the mark, to do the wrong thing. And reminded, we are reminded, too, of all that God has done because of that. That uh, when we spurned his gifts, he gave an even greater gift for us, the greatest gift, in fact. Um, And so now, having been called by God, having been reminded how far we had wandered, having been reminded of what God has done about it, we now have no choice but to say, command me. For you have spared nothing, O God. If you have given the greatest gift, then I am not a religious person who can set limits on what I owe you. In fact, uh, I was a beggar has been shown the way to bread, and I owe absolutely everything to you, right? And the reason I'm walking you through the logic of this service is because this is also the same reason why, when we install new leaders in our church, we don't do it the very first thing, right? Because for our leaders, too, their act of becoming elders and deacons is also a special kind of response. That's the same thing that all of us are doing week in and week out being called by God, remembering that we did not deserve it, being reminded of how much God has done for us, and then saying, okay, command me. And so that is why having reminded ourselves that God calls us, having been reminded what he has done about our sin, and that he's opened us a new path to life, now it's time to install our elders and deacons. And so I'd invite, um, where are you guys? You guys are all over I'd invite uh, Sue and Chuck and Brett and Mike. Would you guys please come and join me up front? Hey, guys. Good to see you. The other reason that is important, my friends, is because being an elder and a deacon is a weighty task, which we will hear in a minute. But we remember that it was God who started this, and that we are yoked to Jesus, and he always does the heavy lifting. So in that confidence, in that assurance, here we go. Congregation, beloved congregation of Jesus Christ, today we celebrate because our faithful God continues to provide leadership for us, his people. One of the ways God cares for us is by providing elders and deacons. Today, we celebrate the work that Steve Herringa, Mike Anema, Jack Crawford, John Vriesma, and Alicia Weeringa and Keith Vanenacker have done these years. They've served well. We praise you, Lord, for empowering their leadership and service among us. Give Steve, Mike, Jack, John, Alicia, and Keith rest from their work. We praise God today for also providing successors. Chuck McGrath, Sue Cooper, Brett Buma, Mike O'Rourke. Jesus shows his love for the church by giving us elders and deacons. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ appoints leaders from among us, and by his Spirit equips them to serve the church so that the church may grow. Grow in faith, in discipleship, and obedience, in selfless service for others, and thereby grow in living the good news of the gospel. Jesus gave us his model of leadership when he said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Each office has its own work of service. Elders serve by shepherding the spiritual well-being of God's people in Jesus' name. They provide true teaching and preaching, ensure that we celebrate the Lord's Supper and baptism, and give faithful counsel and discipline and confidence to the people who trust them. They also encourage our love for each other, keep things in good order, and help us to share the gospel in the world around us. Deacons serve by leading us in showing mercy to one another and to the wider world. They model Christian life that longs for God's kingdom. And they help us see to having that kingdom take shape in our lives today. Deacons use God's wisdom to assess our resources and needs, promote stewardship and hospitality, collect and disperse resources for benevolence, and develop ways to assist those in need. They also build up the church with their words. Deacons, in word and deed, embody God's care for us, And for the world. To be an elder and a deacon is a weighty task. The work is only fitting for followers of Jesus, for those who seek to have their lives look like Jesus' life. They must trust God deeply, and they must be people who will do the work the way God wants it done, with patience, humility, and a lot of prayer. It's time to ordain our elders and our deacon and to install them for their work in this congregation. Sue, Chuck, Brett, Mike, oh, hold on. Sue, Chuck, Brett, we affirm your calling to be our elders. Mike, we affirm your calling to be our deacon. Will you affirm your callings and please respond? In the presence of your brothers and sisters and of God who loves you, please answer the following questions. Do you believe that this call to be an elder or a deacon comes from God himself? Sue? Chuck? Brad? Do you trust that the Old and New Testament are God's word for us and that his word should shape and govern our lives? Sue? Do you promise to love and support the teachings and practice of this church as you do the ministry of elder and deacon? Sue? I do, God helping
2: us.
0: Do you promise to do this work faithfully, to seek God's approval in it, and to submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church? I do, God helping us. I have one for you guys, too. actually. Would you rise, friends? Beloved people of God, do you receive Sue, Chuck, Brett, and Mike as servants of Jesus himself for your growth? And will you pray for and encourage them as they accept this responsibility for our common life? And do you promise to respond to their service and leadership with trust and love as if to Jesus himself? What is your answer? Wonderful. All right. Uh, Elders, current elders and deacons, would you please extend your hands? Ready? Sue, Chuck, Brett, Mike, we ordain you for this ministry in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May God, who called you to this work, guide you by his word. May God equip you with everything that you need by his spirit. And may God build us all up in your ministry so that our church is built up and God's name is glorified. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. So for our elders, I have a charge for you guys in your work. So Sue, Chuck, Brett, guard yourselves and all the flock of which God has made you each an overseer. Be a shepherd of God's church, these people whom God has bought with his own blood. Shepherd us, young and old, with compassion and discipline. Help us to hope in God's promises. Suffer with those who suffer and celebrate with those who are joyful. Be trustworthy with what we share with you. Listen to, build up, and pray for your pastor. Study God's words so that you can be fed for your work and so that you can teach, rebuke, correct, and train us in righteousness. Allow God to be your shepherd, for that is the path God has set for us to be able to shepherd others. Mike, one for you as well. Mike, seek God's wisdom and how best to use the resources that God has given us. Help us to see all that God has given us—money, time, skills, abilities, life experiences— Help us to believe that Jesus has given us more than enough, and help us to trust that by giving generously. Encourage us to love God's mercy by being merciful. Encourage us to long for God's justice in the world, living God's justice in our lives. Minister to rich and poor alike. Give us dignity by treating all people as created in the image of God, and not as people who have or don't have money. Be trustworthy and compassionate as you enter our lives. Know God's words so that you can give us hope in your words and deeds. Allow God to care for you, for that is the example God has set for us to care for others. Amen. Friends, let's pray together. Gracious God, you are Lord of all the earth and this church. Thank you for Steve, for Mike, for Jack, for John, for Alicia and Keith. Thank you now for calling Sue and Chuck and Brett and Mike. Now we ask that you would equip them to help lead us as a church. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them wisdom and your mighty strength. Give them joy as they serve you faithfully. May they be filled with awe as they watch you work in our lives. Use them to glorify your name and build us up in our faithful service. We receive Sue and Chuck and Brett and Mike now with gladness and respect as your faithful servants. We pray all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the head of the church. Amen. Do we have any of our Kid Street kids present this morning? Yeah, we do. Come on up, guys. This is the moment. You're right. You got it. All right, my friends. Do you remember what to do? Yeah? Oh, uh, yeah, you know. Okay. People of God, what is our prayer? Lord, continue to show us your wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Good job. Good job. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God.
2: Can you hear me? All right. Uh, My name is Thalia Toll, and I am a current elder here at Pleasant Street, and it is my privilege this morning to lead us in prayer, Um, prayers on behalf of our church family. Please bow your heads. Savior God, we come before you this morning to praise and bless your name with everything that is within us. Your name is above all names, and you are worthy of all praise. We praise you for the great things you have done for us. We praise you for sending us your son, Jesus Christ, our cornerstone. We praise you for sending us the Holy Spirit. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will come and fill this church with love, joy, and peace. We thank you, Lord, for those who are leading us in worship this morning. We thank you for their talents in music and in leadership and for their willingness to serve We thank you for those who share their talents and technology that help us to stay connected with those who are joining us online this morning. Loving and faithful God, we thank you for these elders and deacons that have been good and faithful servants to you in this church. We thank you for Steve, Jack, Mike, John, Alicia, and Keith. We are so grateful for their leadership and service to Pleasant Street, and we thank you for... Brett, Sue, Chuck, and Mike, who will now go forward to lead and serve Pleasant Street in the next three years. Father, we we pray for a special blessing on those who are at Berea this weekend. We pray for the leaders, for Pastor Annika, Diane, Jared, Mark, and Margaret. We pray for the students, for Ali, Caden, Auden, Annika, Eli. Abby, Jocelyn, Finch, Ryan, Emma, Haley, Genevieve, Emma, and Lily. We pray that they will grow in their relationship with you, Lord, and with each other, that it will become deeper. We pray that everyone will remain healthy and warm and will remain safe as they travel. We also pray for those students who were excited to go and had to make difficult decisions to skip the trip due to COVID concerns. Even in their disappointment, may they experience your faithfulness to them. Gracious and merciful Father, we bring before you the needs of our church family that are struggling with sickness and recovery. We pray for healing for Carol L., Hank and Bev E., Chris V.B., Henny K., and Donna W. We pray for those dealing with feelings of being alone and isolated or with feelings of anxiety or depression. We pray for those who struggle with addiction. We pray for those who mourn. We know that there are needs among us that are only known to you, Lord. Even during times of despair and darkness, we pray, Lord, that you will help them experience small amounts of joy. Thank you for being a God who, when we are burdened and weary, will take our cares and give us rest. Thank you for being a God who brings us peace and comfort. Lord, we thank you that Pastor Bruce is with us today, and we pray for a blessing on him. As we turn now to hear your word, We pray for a blessing on the message Pastor Bruce will bring us from you. And we pray that you will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that our hearts will be enlightened so that we may know you better. All this we pray through the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
4: Therefore rid yourself of all malice and deceit hypocrisy envy and slander of all kind like newborn babies crave, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have t- tasted the Lord that the Lord is good as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him you also, like living stones, are built are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to, de- to shame. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord.
5: Thank you for reading that this morning, and thank you for the opportunity to be in front of you, to spend some time talking about what I think is um, so precious to my heart, and that is the Word of God. But I need to start with an apology. Last week I was here, and I was talking to Pastor Matt, and I said, here's what I'm going to be teaching on. I was all excited, right? So I started on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I got to Saturday, and I had 16 pages, of ideas and thoughts and images. I even pulled up a conversation I had with my brother-in-law, Steve, way back. Like, I first did this back in 2013. But apparently, I know a little bit more since then. But 16 pages, that's roughly two hours. And I hope you appreciate this because I said, you know what? I'm not going to do milk and stone, okay? Because I thought, you know, milk, make the bones nice and strong. You stand on the top of a big, huge stone. I thought all the imagery was great. But again, you guys aren't going to stay here for two hours. You'll be leaving roughly at about an hour's time. So I weeded it down, I carved it down, carved it down. So I'm only going to do milk today, okay, which is about an hour. So just so you know, so I just want to, first of all, just kind of put that out there. So my apologies. My conviction here this morning is what you guys talked about in terms of what your elders will be doing, what your deacons will be doing, what this church is all about, and that is discipleship. We come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We have salvation. We have faith. We have this moment. Sometimes for some of you, it might be that particular moment where the light just went on. And there were some significant moments. For me, I was 23 years old. And God used Philemon, a letter, that just kind of opened the door. I said, okay, now I'm saved. Now what do I do? Well, three years later... I'm going through seminary, I'm thinking about it, and I realized that in my 23 years, now 26 years, I've never been discipled. So I started asking people, have you been discipled? Ask yourself this morning, have you been discipled? Maybe you're wondering what discipleship is. As I've watched Jesus deal with, live with, walk with, commission, send out his disciples through the the Gospels, As well as the letter that we'll look at here this morning, Peter, here's what I think discipleship is. Discipleship is an intentional studying of Jesus' teaching. Where you're spending time wondering about it. Okay, when Jesus says this, what does he mean by that? Let me sit down and think through that. Let me reflect. What does the Old Testament say about that? How do we deal with that in terms of just who Jesus is and how he pushes and gently prods us into live a faith? But I but I just don't sit there and learn and study and reflect. Now I need to intentionally go out every day and look to live that teaching out. Let me give you an example. Love thy neighbor. A lot of us have heard that, right? And what comes after that? Love your neighbor as yourself. Did you know that Jesus pushed that a little bit further? He said, love your neighbor as I have loved you. That makes it a whole lot different. I had a neighbor, and I had trees. And they were trees that had leaves. And leaves would fall, as many of us know, in fall. They would just come down. Not, normally, we call fall, fall, because leaves fall. Duh. Anyways, what he had the habit of doing was he blew his leaves on my yard. It ticked me off. I'm sitting there going, what in the world are you doing? Your yard looks nice, leafless. Mine has this big, huge pile in the corner from you. What in the world is going on? At the time, I was studying this whole 1 John and how Jesus pushed that community that John was involved with to to love your neighbor as Jesus loved. And how do I do that? Because if I was going to go first, love my neighbor as I love myself, I could easily say, you know what? I'm not very happy with myself today. I'm not very happy with my neighbor. Because I can do that in my mind. It's just very easy for me to do that. Then I had to layer in, okay, so how would Jesus do this? And what it did, it caused me to step over the fence. Well, not literally over the fence. I went around the fence, and I went over to my neighbor. I said, you know what? We've got a problem, and I want to make it good. You're blowing all your leaves on my yard. Well, Bruce... There's a great part of the corner of your yard that is all the, It's just a great place to store leaves. I stepped back. I looked at my yard. And you know what? He was right. So my neighbor and I started piling all our leaves in this corner of our yard that was never used. And it helped me say, you know what? I'm learning something from this. And that started a whole conversation with my neighbor. He was much more open and started asking. Next thing you know, he's building a uh, tree house in my tree. I don't know how far we got there. But again, there was just this relationship. I wanted to teach and learn and understand the teaching that I had. I wanted to disciple in my life how to live that out. Now, here's what else I did, because this is another part of discipleship. And that is, I find a place where I can have a conversation about what I learned and what I did. So that I can go deeper. So again, discipleship is an intentional study of Jesus' word, Jesus' teaching, how he did it, how he lived. I then go and live that, and then I spend time with someone to process that. And we see that in, in the Gospels all the time. Jesus would do that. He would teach. He would send them out. They would come back. And they say, okay, let's debrief. We have lots of moments of that. Now, here's the thing. As a pastor, I had plenty of moments. Actually, I was very intentional about it because that was my job. I would meet for breakfast with guys all the time, and we talk about discipleship. We talk about how Jesus taught, how we tried to live it out. But two years ago, I stepped away from ministry, and I started to work a nine-to-five, and it's been a lot harder. I have much more appreciation for most of you. Well, not Matt, but you. How you live life. The demands of, sometimes it's not just nine to five. How do you disciple yourself in that context? And so I've had to work and I have to decide. And so the opportunity to teach this morning, I layered that in and I'm going, okay, how do I disciple? How does Peter inform? Sixteen pages later, I've started to get an understanding. We'll it back. I just want to look at milk this morning. Thirty years ago, maybe you remember the, the uh, campaign, Got Milk? Where the, the Milk Association had this idea that we've got to help people understand the good that they have in drinking milk. They gathered all kinds of celebrities athletes to wear a white mustache with a glass of milk and say, got milk? My favorite was the Muppet, Kermit the Frog. You know, it was the first time and probably the only time that that we saw the whole body of Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog with milk on his lip. Drink milk. Why? Because, first of all, it's cool because all the celebrities are doing it. But the bottom line was, milk is good for your bones. It's healthy. Drink milk. And I think Peter, in the first three verses of the passage that we read this morning, has his own got milk campaign. What I'd like to do is I'd like to just kind of read as we go. If you have a, have a Bible, open it up. I'd like to kind of read. And as we go, I'll stop just to kind of explain what's going on so that we understand Peter. Peter's got milk campaign. So I'm going to start verse 1, chapter 2. Therefore, let me just stop right there. Therefore is one of these words that connects parts, right? So when Peter says therefore, he's actually alluding to what's going on in the first chapter. And you've got to know that in the first chapter, what Peter is saying is plainly, look, you have something beautiful. It is Jesus, it is salvation, it is faith. Listen to the, uh, the, fourth, uh, the third and the fourth verse of that passage. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Hold on to that phrase because that's going to come uh, and into play in a little bit. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish. Peter then calls the church. He calls it out of this new birth to be holy. He actually quotes Leviticus 11, verse 44, where it says, be holy because I am holy. Some people think that's the center verse of the Torah. Which makes a lot of sense to me. The whole Torah is about introducing this creator God that loves us and is in a relationship with us, but calls us to be holy. Why? Because he is holy. And the thing about the Torah is that it's about what we do. And Peter is acknowledging that we are holy not by what we do, but what has been done through Jesus Christ. He's freed us from all that. And then he makes this word, therefore, since we have that, that special relationship, that, that holiness that comes from Jesus... Therefore, disciple yourself, move forward out of that, live that holy life, because he's made you holy through his life, death, and resurrection. Let's keep going. Therefore, rid yourself. Let me stop right there. Rid, there's this kind of Greek idea of of just getting rid of it, taking it completely off. So I was studying this, it reminded me, I have this sweatshirt. Well, I don't have it anymore. But it was just, it was so comfortable. It was one of those, you know, you just live into it. It just sits on your shoulder so nice. And whenever I worked, whether it was in the shop or in the in the backyard or in the garden, I had it on. And the thing was, I noticed when we washed it, a little bit of that comfortableness was lost. So I didn't wash it. Because it just kind of you, you. A lot of us have those. Whether it's a pair of jeans or whether a pair of shoes. It just sat in my shoulder. And I was in heaven when I was working because I had this, sh- this sweatshirt on. Well, years went by and it started to smell. Actually, if I just put it in the corner, it stood up by itself. There came a point where we had to say, Gone wasn't good for my relationship with my wife. I mean my family. We had to get rid of it. The smell, the ickiness, even though it was comfortable. And that's what Peter's saying. We need to look at the stuff we have on in our life. We need to get rid of it. And then he lists five. He lists five vices, if you will. Now, as you look at these vices, think about our community and how we come together. And what can really tear that apart? Because at the core of what Peter is saying is our faith is collective. Our faith is shared. Actually, Paul picks up on this in the first chapter of Romans 11 and 12 where he says, Oh, I wish I could come to you. You could just hear the desire to be with him so that I can impart faith, understanding of Jesus But here's the kicker. It's not just that I'll be able to teach you something, but that our faith together would be mutually encouraged. Look, folks, my faith is wrapped up in your faith. Your faith is intertwined with your family's faith. And we as a community is intertwined with the faith of even our nation. I think Peter could even speak into what's going on. Do you know there's a real worry of civil unrest in our nation? Where is the community that you might say, you know what, maybe let's model how to be together. And I think these five vices just kind of are like maybe foundational things that we can think about as we wonder about how we are together. But Peter wants to, before we even start about drinking our milk, even before we start living it, we've got to get rid of some other things. Listen to what he says. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice. Now let me just stop right there because the word all. I'm always intimidated by the word all, because it means all. There's nothing I can keep over here in the corner. I can say, okay, this is my special little thing here. Everything over here, oh yeah, I'm cool, I'm good, but I'm going to just keep this. But God doesn't say just kind of like everything over here and forget everything over there. He says all of it. All. Not 99, not 99.99, not 99.9999, Oh, So as we reflect in who we are under the grace of salvation in Jesus Christ, called to be holy because God is holy, it's been done for us so we can move forward in the power of that salvation. We start to rid ourselves. Listen to what we have to rid ourselves of. Rid ourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So let me just reflect just for a moment on each one of these. It'll just be quick. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on these. The first is malice. In, In reading Dallas Willard, One of the things that he defines, and he defines it all the time, he keeps coming back to it. It's a huge touch point for him. And that is how he defines love. And and love for Dallas Willard is wanting and willing good for someone. And malice is the opposite. It is willing someone to suffer evil. It's defined as feeling a strong dislike or hostility, coupled with a desire to do harm, we can hover over that. Again, just want to remind me: my first inclination to my neighbor was to do malice. I was going to get him back. I even contemplating putting putting sand in his blower. Only for a second, and then it was gone. Okay, I just. But there's this this desire. When something happens, how am I going to respond? The next work is deceit. Deceit is an attempt to hide or conceal something, an attempt to get the better of someone. Where, where I do actions that, that yeah, maybe they won't figure it out, but it's going to benefit me. The third is insincerity or hypocrisy. Some of you may know that hypocrisy in its kind of uh, Greek setting is, is about acting and, and being able to be on stage and putting a different face. Well, Peter's calling us to really kind of, what face are we putting out there? How am I presenting myself? And I know sometimes it's just it's a lot easier when somebody says, hey, how are you doing? Fine. I'm not saying that that's hypocrisy. But what I am saying is that within the community of faith, there needs to be a place and a moment where I say, you know, I'm not. I'm really struggling here. And I'm not saying get on on top of the pulpit and say, hey, folks, I'm struggling here, by the way. I just want you to know there's important places for that. But what Peter is calling us to do is, is not to act in a way that we're not for my own benefit. But look in the, look at your play, at your way of, of living so that you can be authentic. And if it's a struggle, admit it. and work through that. And allow yourself, okay, where's Jesus speaking into this? Okay, how do I then live that out? Where can I have a conversation with somebody that says, okay, and then we're starting to disciple. The fourth is envy. And envy is described as a a state of ill will towards somebody because of some real or presumed advantage experienced by that such person, by that other person. I want you to know I'm there. Right? Sometimes I look across the road, and across the road is is my neighbor, and he's retired. And you know what? He's out there as I'm heading to work. He goes, oh, I think I'm going to take today off. I'm like, oh, really? And I sit there, envying. Man, how come I can't have that? We sit and we struggle with that. So I went over to Paul. and said, hey, Paul, come over here. Look, you, you got to know that whenever you say that, it, it, it's just, I, I struggle with it because I'm envious of you. He goes, well, I want you to know I'm envious of you. What do you mean? You get to go to work. We began to kind of speak into each other's lives. There's value in work, and yet there's value in rest. And, and so we kind of started talking. And, and you know what he does? He, he, he plows my driveway with a snowblower. Because it gives him something to do. I say, hey, man, go for it. Have fun, man. Let's do it. But we began at a place where it was like, oh. And by grace and by initiative... Start working through that. Help me out in here. Got to work through that. And finally, there's slander, speaking ill of others for the express purpose of doing them harm or damage. Those are are moments where Peter's saying, you know what, these get in our way. And some of us could add some other things to that list. But I think it's a helpful list just to kind of begin, okay, where in my life is community or relationships being, being broken because of some of the things that are happening in my life and the things that I'm doing? And Peter is challenging us. He's challenging, quite frankly, a community that, as a pastor, he knows that his immature faith, on the days leading up to Jesus' death, he knew the impact of an immature faith and he lived into some of these. And he denied. And in that brokenness, he needed to reestablish himself in terms of who Jesus was and allow that grace and that mercy to even shape his life. He knows the story of Israel, he was grown up on it, and he knows the immature faith that Israel experienced where they ran after idols. So he comes from a place where this is real. This isn't just book stuff. He saw it lived out in Jesus' life. He said, okay, I'm going to live that way. I'm going to do that. And he had a community of people around him where he began to speak into that and then he began to work through that and that was called discipleship. Let's read a little bit further. Verse two. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Here, Peter has given us a building block in our own discipleship journey, pure spiritual milk. Here, milk isn't viewed as kind of beginner's food. In Scripture, in, in 1 Corinthians 3 and Hebrews 5, there's this idea that, hey, folks, you've grown up. You've you got to be a little bit beyond milk. Come on, get into the, get into the steak. Get into the potatoes, Don't just stay there with the little stuff. Come on. But Peter isn't going there. Peter's saying that pure spiritual milk is life, like new babies. They need milk, their mother's milk, however however that milk comes. But they need it for life. And that's what Peter's calling us into. Know what you need for life. The word spiritual here is, is, is tied to the word logos. And for Peter, that's a rich word because, because John's story of Jesus in the gospel of Jesus according to John, where he's describing Jesus as the logos. Listen to the first couple of verses of, Gen, or of John. In the beginning was the word logos, spiritual, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has, has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's Jesus. Crave Jesus. That, that life Giving understanding of who he is and a relationship with him. Crave his teaching. What does he say about loving your neighbor? What does he say about uh, the authorities above us? What does he say about the broken? What does his life say about our need for God? Begin to Search after this. Run after it. I need spiritual Why? Because it is life like a new baby needs its mother's milk. Peter extends this thought of spiritual milk uh, and how it's tied to Jesus. When he he adds that little phrase afterwards in verse 3, he says, Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good so a couple things happening the, the idea of tasting the word the teachers of the torah when they had students with them one of the first classes they would have is they would have honey with them and they would come and they would put it on a little piece of paper uh, with their kids without their teaching and the kids would be instructed take dip your finger and have a little honey Now describe what that's like. Oh, it's so good. It's so sweet. Because honey was a rarity. It was this beautiful nectar that everybody enjoyed. Didn't have a whole lot of it. And then the teacher of Torah would say, As honey is good to your stomach, the word of the Lord is to your life. There's a sweetness to it. Taste the word of God. Is what the teacher of the law would say. Taste. He also, it's a quote from from Psalm 34 8, where it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Peter is subtly helping the early church see Jesus as God Himself, That, that they would see Him as divine, that they would see Him as eternal that he was the source of that good-tasting word. And then he ends with the word good. And whenever you see the word good, the first thing you got to do, you got to go back to the first book of Genesis, the first chapter, where on repeat we hear this phrase, and God saw that it was good. And Peter is winking, hinting, subtly kind of pushing us towards understanding that there is something in Jesus and understanding who he is and going deeper in a relationship that brings us back to that reliving of the creation story where it is
6: good
5: with God and ourselves. And Jesus is the source of that. He's the place for it. He's He's the wonder of it. And so let me close with just this practice that we find with our brothers and sisters in the Greek Orthodox Church. In the Greek Orthodox Church, babies are still baptized naked. And and there's a new set of baptismal clothing waiting for them. It's quite an interesting process. So as they get ready for for baptism, the first thing they do is they, they denounce Satan. Evil, you don't belong here. This is not about you. And it's that getting rid of all that is in between. And it's just this visualization. "Uh-uh, Not here." And then the baby is taken, all her clothes are taken off. Uh, and that's that kind of, again, that getting that rid of moment. The creed is spoken. So there's this faith declaration. The child is undressed and then baptized and then dressed in its new clothes. It's that new moment visualized. It's that faith. It's that resurrection power of Jesus Christ in our life. And then the baby is handed to the family and, in particular, to the mom. Another visualization that that the spiritual milk that we need in Jesus Christ it's part of the story. It's part of who this child will be. It's not only as it's nurtured, but also it's nurtured by the spiritual milk that, that the family brings. The imagery is that there's a stripping away of all the dirty and all the unworthy and moving towards growing up. Now, Peter will go on. In the following verses, chapters, and the rest of this this verse, or in this passage, or this letter. And he'll use a wide range of images to describe who we are. And how we come to be what we are in Jesus Christ. He'll talk about stones. He'll talk about royal priesthood. He'll talk about holy nations. But in order for us to accept the fullness of our new identity in Christ, we really need to begin, I believe, with one thing in our discipleship journey. And that is, we need to finish our milk. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I do thank you for, first and foremost, for you. That you have come into our lives and called us to faith, that you've given us faith through your grace that we live in the resurrection power. And so, Lord, as we as a community go into this week, I pray that you would continually help us be discipled. That even, even now as we understand just a deeper understanding of your teaching, Lord, we pray that we too would yearn for that moment of living that out in our day-to-day. And, Lord, I pray for a blessing for each one of us, that we would have a place to speak Speak into somebody's life and somebody to speak into my life, whether that's a small group, whether that's a husband-wife relationship, whether that, whatever that is, Lord, we pray that we would have that blessing. And so, Lord, be with us in this journey, and thank you for starting it and being with us in it, I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.
0: Thank you, Bruce. And one of those such places that Bruce was just talking about, a place to speak into each other's lives, what we are learning is why we have uh, the ECHO program for a third through fifth graders, so that our students and our elders and deacons can have such a place to talk about what they're learning. So, uh, do we have any third through fifth graders uh, whom we can bless and dismiss today? Come on up, guys. You'd think I have it memorized by this point, but I actually don't. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and love, Lord God, thank, thank you, you for, for the gift, gift of your word. Help us to believe what we, believe what we have heard, plant it deep in, in our mind, hearts, and live in ways that honor you above all. all. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. We continue our response to by responding to God with uh, words and with song and also with a tangible act of trust by offering up some of what God has given us in terms of our money for the work of our congregation. Uh, we aren't giving by passing baskets right now, but you can give either online or by dropping checks off in the, in the box in the front or during the week. Having done so, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are amazed and astounded that... Um, You would show us such lavishness. Uh, We are wanting to learn to be generous and lavish in kind. And so we ask, O God, that you would take the things that we give back to you now and that you would use them to build up our faith and trust in you and that you would use them to build up your church and to help inspire the work of our congregation. We pray this in your name. Amen. We continue our response to God together and I by singing. Would you rise, friends? Let's sing. So Bruce gave a confession. I thought it only appropriate that I give
1: one as well. As I lead worship at different churches, I usually ask the pastors to pick out the songs because there's no better way to get asked back than to allow the pastors of the church to pick out the songs. But the heart behind that is I want to sing the songs that that church sings. It's easier for me to learn them than to come in with a bunch of songs you don't know. But recently, I've been helping out with picking out some of the songs when I lead here just to help out, and it's fine. And I saw Bruce's passage, and I read it, and I saw, oh, Christ is Cornerstone, and I was like, boom, done, we're gonna sing Cornerstone. But then Bruce didn't preach about the Cornerstone today, so uh, we're gonna change the words to Christ alone, the milk that does our body good this morning. No. We always want songs after the message to give our, uh, give us time to just kind of like internalize what we heard, to renew our commitment to Christ so that we can go from this place to live as Christ would call us to. So let's use this time to sing uh, of where our foundation is.
5: thought maybe I should have did Cornerstone. (laughs) Next time, next time. All right. Let me uh, give you a benediction as you leave. Lord God, by the power of your Spirit, give us the strength to live out the message that we've heard today. Fill our hearts with grace and truth so we may gratefully share grace and truth with others. And may the joy of the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be your strength. Amen.
3: I count on one thing The same God who never fails Will not fail working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. And yes, I will bless your name. Oh yes, I will sing for joy.